Hey everyone, welcome to 11 Questions, where each week we meet a new person and get to know them. This is your host Aman Timana, and today we are meeting Marjan Kamli, the author of The Stationery Shop and Together Tea. Let's find out more about her. Hi Marjan, welcome to 11 Questions. Hello, thank you so much for having me. Thank you for being my guest today, and I want to start by asking you, where are you from and where do you live? I'm originally from Iran, and I live in the Boston area. And how many languages can you speak? I speak two well and two not so well. I speak English and Persian fluently, and then French and German. I used to be fluent, and now it's pretty bad. (laughs) (laughs) I've forgotten so much, so. Yeah, you need constant practice with languages, otherwise you just fade away. Yes, they're fading away. <laughs> What's the best way to start your day for you? Oh, definitely with coffee and ideally by reading and not looking at the news right away. Ideally, ideally by <laughs> writing. Reading and writing first thing would be the best. Yeah, that sounds like a great day. Yeah. And if you were to get to go on a vacation right now, where would mm. you go? You know, I would actually go to New York, which is where I grew up, only because I desperately want to see my family there. That, to me, would be my ideal vacation spot, because then I could see my parents. We're also isolated from people that matter to us, right? Yeah. It's almost never-ending at this point. (laughs) Like, last year, at least, we thought in 2021, this will get over. Now we are at one-year mark, and I don't know how long this is going to go for. I know. And remember when it started, it was two weeks to slow the spread. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) It's kind of surreal. Since you mentioned visiting your family, what's your favorite food or your comfort food? My favorite food, it's actually a Persian dish. It's called Orme Sabzi. It's like a stew made with a lot of green herbs and vegetables and red kidney beans and usually lamb or beef, and it's served over rice. Sounds good. Yes. And I feel like there's probably a similar Indian name of something. One of the main ingredients in it, well, not main, but one of the secret ingredients in it is actually fenugreek. And fenugreek, you know, a little goes a long way. And I know that Persian and Indian cuisines share fenugreek in some of their dishes. Yeah, I do use that in some recipes. Mm, Yeah, yeah. Thinking back on your books and your life in general, what's one thing that you are most proud of? Wow. Honestly, I'm most proud of not giving up because I could have given up many, many, many times um, when things didn't look good. And my career has had a really sort of zigzaggy route as a lot of careers I think do have, especially for women, um, especially when you're balancing a family. And so I'm really proud that I actually wrote and published two books so far. I think sometimes I still can't believe it, to be honest with you. I just can't believe it. (laughs) How old were you when you realized that you want to be a writer? I think ever since I was a child, I wrote Ever since I learned how to write, I wrote, but it didn't occur to me that it could be something I could be until I was a teenager, probably in high school. 
when I had a creative writing class and the teacher kept encouraging me. And that was the first time I began to think maybe this is something I could do as a vocation. Oh, that's great. I love that you had a teacher like that who encouraged you. Oh, yeah. So many teachers who encouraged me. Honestly, I think they've played a pivotal role in my sense of myself as a writer. And other than writing, what do you enjoy the most? You know, I love to cook. So I do a lot of cooking. And anyone who's read my books knows that there's a lot of food in both the books. I kind of love all cuisines, but obviously I do a lot of Persian cooking. I also, since the pandemic, have become a walker. You know, I think it's my one kind of form of entertainment. <laughs> so, um, I do a lot of walking now. And of course, reading. That's the first love. For me also, walks have become a big thing in pandemic and reading, of course, for me. But I think walks are what's keeping me sane in some way. Exactly. And sometimes it can feel like every day is Groundhog's Day. <laughs> yeah, I can see that. Yeah, yeah. And speaking of difficult times, which we are living in right now, what's mm -hmm. the most heartwarming thing that you have experienced recently? I get a lot of messages and emails that people uh, send me. Also, I get tagged in a lot of reviews on Instagram. One of the most heartwarming is when somebody tells me that reading The Stationery Shop helped them during the pandemic, that maybe they had been unable to read, but this book helped them read again, or they felt like they were able to escape their present day and go to another time and place. That's truly heartwarming. And it never gets old. And that, you know, I can get these messages week after week. And I, I'm never not grateful for them. Because it helps me feel connected too. <laughs> yeah, I can only imagine how great that must feel having an impact with something you have created. Yeah, it's a surprising outcome of the work. <laughs> But it's a very good feeling, yeah. And since you mentioned you also like to read a lot, I have to ask you, what are your all-time favorite books? This is such a difficult question because I have so many. I can think of the books that helped influence me the most. It doesn't necessarily mean they're my three all-time favorites, but they were definitely impactful And one of them was The Bluest Eye by Toni Morrison, because when I read that, I suddenly was, it felt like I was introduced to a whole new way of writing a novel, which was very refreshing and liberating. Another book was 100 Years of Solitude by Gabriel Garcia Marquez, because that book just blew my mind. And I loved the scope of it and the breadth of it. More recently, the Elena Ferrante Neapolitan series have really meant a lot to me because it's just been nice, again, for me to go to another time and place. And I love that she doesn't necessarily follow the rules of contemporary American fiction. Thanks for sharing. I think these are great recommendations, especially the first two I've heard a lot about, but I haven't read those yet. I think for this reason, this is my favorite question to ask because I get a lot of recommendations. Yeah, but you. And for our last question, I want to ask something that I ask all my guests. 
if you were to pick one interesting life experience to share with us, what would you tell us? When I was 24, I went skiing and I was stranded at the top of the mountain, but I was a beginning skier and I didn't really know how to ski. They had closed down the slopes and my instructor left with other people in our little group class and somebody was supposed to come back to get me, but no one did. Oh and God. all the lifts were closed. Everything was closed. So I'm stranded at the top of this humongous mountain. I was actually in the Alps. <laughs> I couldn't ski and I didn't know how to get down. And then it started to become dark and everything was frozen over. So I remember I tried my way in the dark to just make my way down the mountain. And I couldn't even see. I couldn't even ski. So eventually I just sat down on my bottom and I <laughs> shuffled my way down the mountain and it took about seven hours oh my god <laughs> and it was freezing and it was dark and I didn't know where a cliff was or where it wasn't and my husband was at the bottom of the mountain by this time they had sent a search committee <laughs> um, I don't know why I'm sharing that experience. It wasn't a fun experience at all. It was actually quite frightening. Yeah, it sounds so scary. I know I'm laughing, but I'm laughing it, because it's so scary. Yes, but I think the reason I'm sharing it is because when I was in the midst of it, I remember thinking I just had this strange belief that I'm going to make it. It's going to be okay. Even though every indicator showed that perhaps I wouldn't, but it <laughs> It was one of those times where, you know, you just feel like maybe there's somebody out there watching out for you and you just relax and stop worrying and just trust that this is going to work out. So it became like a metaphor for me later in life. I love that. I love that you yeah. associated it to something positive, even in such a scary moment. Yeah, I remember at the moment, just feeling this weird sense of calm, even though I was really scared. But because again, I had that sense that this is going to be okay. So sometimes I think about that when I'm in the middle of a difficult experience. Can't imagine being in that position and feeling calm. So <laughs> kudos <laughs> to you. <laughs> it's, you know, sometimes you have no choice, right? True. <laughs> I could, there was nothing I could do really other than just trust that somehow I might find my way. Yeah, I guess. But right now, it's very scary to me because I yeah. also don't ski. So I yeah. I can feel that. Like, you oh, know, yeah. there's no way you can get, get out of this. Exactly. Yes. Yeah, well, thank you, Marjan, for answering all my questions. And now I want to talk a little bit about your books as well. Okay. Um, your book, The Stationery Shop, has been very well received. And I have heard great reviews all over Instagram. I haven't read it yet. But it's on my list because the minute I saw your book, I was like, oh, this is such a beautiful book. I love the cover. I just want to know a little bit more about the book from you. And also, I want to know who designed that cover. Yeah, the cover is amazing. They say don't judge a book by its cover. But when it comes I to... I do. Cover, I always do. <laughs> I know. And with the stationery shop, please do judge it by its <laughs> cover because it's a gorgeous cover. And I feel very lucky to have that cover. So the stationery shop is a love story. It's about a young pair of teenagers who meet when they're 17 in Tehran. 
1953, and they fall madly in love, and they go through this whirlwind romance at a time when the city is really blossoming with like a cinema culture and a theater scene and cafes and dances, and this feeling that they're on the edge of a democracy, the country becoming more democratic. And they're set to get married, but on the day that they're to be married, the country breaks out into a coup. There's a coup d'etat and the prime minister's deposed and Roya, the heroine who's waiting for her fiancé, Batman, never finds him. And she desperately tries to see what happened, but she can't find him. So she resigns herself to a life without him and she eventually comes to the U.S. She goes to college in the Bay Area and she meets a man named Walter and they get married and she moves to New England. Until more than 60 years later, at the age of 77, by a happenstance, a quirk of fate, she finds where that first fiancé was, and she goes to visit him to find out what happened all those years ago and why he left her there, and to sort of answer the questions that have been haunting her for 60 years. So it's definitely a story of first love. It's a story of lost love. It's a story of resilience and immigration and renewal in a new life. But I think ultimately it's a story of healing. It's set in a stationery shop, the initial scenes where they meet in Iran. And I love stationery shops. So there's Me a too. lot. Yeah, I love that. I just... I just love being in them. I love looking around them. And there's a lot of poetry that's kind of interwoven throughout the book in that Roya and Batman love the ancient Persian poets like Rumi. I would say it's a tender story. Oh, there's so much about what you said that I love. The plot, Rumi in there, and stationery shops. Yeah, I definitely have to read this. Yeah, and there's also a lot of food. I won't lie. There's <laughs> Yay, a lot. Yeah, more to love. <laughs> yeah, because I do think food connects people. So there's a lot of characters connecting through the food. Initially in Iran, there's the Persian food in the family. And then once Roya moves to the U.S., food helps connect her, not just with her past, but with other people in America. Since we're talking about the importance of food, your other book is called Together Tea. Yeah. That name alone makes me want to have that book. <laughs> I don't know. I think it's a cultural thing. Maybe like in India for us, like cha or tea is such a big thing culturally. Oh, absolutely. I mean, tea rules your day. You start in the morning. First of all, it's brewed. It's not with tea bags. And together, tea is sort of a mother-daughter story where the mother is so obsessed with math that she makes spreadsheets in Excel to find her daughter the perfect husband. Oh, wow. She has a formula that she uses. <laughs> but she is also quite obsessed with tea. And, you know, you brew the tea in the morning, and then throughout the day you have a lot of tea. It's almost like, um, I don't want to say it's a religion, but it's certainly a sense of nourishment and comfort. And I don't do the whole routine of brewing it the correct Persian way. It's quite complicated. But even if I'm having a tea bag, I just feel more relaxed when I have a, something hot to hold. <laughs> together tea is also the mother's way of saying, let's have tea together. Because in her form of English, in her broken English, she would say, like, let's have together tea. Oh, that's cute. 
Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I totally agree with what you said. Like, I think for Indians, tea is like a religion. And yeah. I feel like it would be a much better world if we adopted tea as religion versus <laughs> all the other religions. <laughs> I totally agree. I totally agree. And, you know, it's about the senses, right? Because it's the scent and the heat of it and obviously the taste. And also there's something about making it. Like it's not rushed. It takes yeah. a little bit of time and there's a process to make it correctly. I think that also kind of grounds you or centers you in that moment. I think that's so true. And you know, now we talk so much about mindfulness. People being mindful and practicing mindful eating or mindful meditation. But like you said, just the making of it forces you to slow down and forces you to be mindful. When I saw that book, I was like, oh, somebody yeah. just dedicated an entire book to tea. Like, I, I gotta right. have that. <laughs> That's right. If our listeners want to buy your book, where can they do that? My books are anywhere books are sold. Obviously, there's in today's situation online, right? Because it's hard to go to bookstores. So obviously there's Amazon. I also highly recommend supporting local independent bookstores by shopping at bookshop.org, which also is online, but you can help support an independent bookstore if you buy a book there. And if you're lucky enough to have bookstores near you that are open, they should be there. And are you working on a new book right now? Any new project? Uh, I am. I have a new project and it's kept me occupied in this pandemic life. Surprise, surprise, it's also set in the US and in Iran. And it's also the kind of book, like both Together Tea and The Stationery Shop are considered to be kind of historical fiction because The Stationery Shop, part of it takes place during the coup of 1953 and Together Tea, part of it takes place during the revolution of 1979. But this time I'm going back to the 1960s in Iran, which was a really exciting time for young women. Oh, I would love to read that. I don't know much about that. So it was, you know, when women were first kind of entering a lot of professions that they'd previously been excluded from. There was also a very robust women's movement. I'm learning a lot as I research it. Well, I really look forward to reading that book. And before we end our conversation for today, is there anything you want to say to the listeners? I want to say that I think one of the best things that's come out of this time, you know, we talked about some of the difficulties of the pandemic, but there are silver linings is that we're, we've been innovative in how we connect, like programs like yours. I really appreciate that you're doing this podcast. Thank you. I really do. And, you know, I saw where you said that it was one of your intentions to connect with people, especially now that we're so isolated. So to your listeners, I would say, let's stay connected. If, if it's not through the books, find me on social media. Because I do feel like there's this sense of communication and connection that we need so much now. And I love it. I love hearing from people. Absolutely. I totally agree with what you said. And we need connection more than ever right now. Yes. Yes. And we're lucky that we kind of have it through like your podcast, your videos, social media in general, even Zoom meetings, right? We're lucky <laughs> that we have the technology at least. 
Yeah, it's better than nothing. Like, imagine if we were in a world where we are still writing letters. I know. Mail is getting lost these days, so I yeah. don't know how that would be. I sometimes think about that, and it's actually frightening to imagine what it would have been like. I know. It's a good thing we don't have to. <laughs> yes, yes. Thank you again, Marjan, for being a guest on my podcast. It was so great talking to you and discussing the food and the books, all the best things. Thank you so much for having me. Listeners, do check out her books and I'll meet you here again next week with a new guest. Thank you for listening to our conversation today. Hope you enjoyed getting to know our guest as much as I did. You can also watch a video version of this conversation on 11 Questions YouTube channel. Don't forget to subscribe wherever you are listening. And if you like this episode, please leave a 5-star rating on Apple Podcasts. You can follow me on Instagram and Twitter at 11QuestionsPod for more videos and updates. And I'll be back next week with a new guest. Bye!